0: My Bible school class started a new study about three weeks ago, the book of Genesis. focus of this study is not just the history, the chronology of Genesis, but to study the relationship that God is trying to build with mankind. We've been asking, why did God create the world in the first place? What was the point? Who was it for? Why, why did he place man at the top of the creation. What kind of a relationship does God want with each of us? And so we've looked at different people. We've looked at uh, Adam and Eve, of course. we looked at Cain and Abel, their two sons. And we've seen God reaching out to them. Look today at a whole bunch of people in between them and Noah. Next week will be Noah. And, you know, just what is God doing? What is he saying? How is he you know, trying to communicate and to draw people into this relationship. God wants a relationship with every human being, but he doesn't want to force that relationship. Because a relationship that's forced is meaningless, right? You know, if we're coerced into loving somebody, what's the point of that kind of love? Love can only truly exist in a relationship when it is not forced. Forced love is meaningless. It is not love at all. If we're just puppets, if we're just like robots, and God, you know, is up there with a remote control, controlling what we do, where is the relationship in that? But if we choose, if we choose to reciprocate, if we choose to respond to the love he has shown us, uh, it's so much more meaningful, isn't it? What is our motivation for life? What is our motivation for giving? As we finish up this more than money series, giving should be fun, we want to think about why should it be fun? What is the motivation behind that? What is the reason for our giving? I want to invite you this morning, just stand with me for a moment, and let's pray. Father, I pray that you would speak through your word today, that you just put me off to the side here and your word would just ring through clearly to everyone's heart and that we would see what you want us to see because as you communicated with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and all the others of Genesis so you communicate with us you want to speak to every heart here today so we open our hearts to you keep us from being distracted keep us from from being confused and to hear clearly what your spirit would say to us today in Jesus name amen okay would you be seated please you know, the apostle paul is going to help us out we're going to go to second corinthians if you have a bible turn to second corinthians chapter 8 and we will discover there some amazing things about reasons reasons for living reasons for giving Apostle Paul had a long and productive relationship with the believers in Corinth. Two of his letters to them are recorded in our Bible, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, we call them. And in the second letter, he talks about some other people that he knew, people in Macedonia, brothers and sisters in Christ that live in Macedonia, what we would call Greece today. And he holds them up as, as believers worthy of our imitation, setting a good example for the rest of us. Not that was in point, but but here it he is. Here's what they did. This is how they lived in relationship to God. And the primary thing that he says about their giving is that the Macedonians wanted to give. They were glad to give. They enjoyed giving. I mean, they really wanted to give. In fact, Paul says, I can't stop them. <laughs> they wanted so badly to be generous that I said, well, you don't did, you have to do this. And they did it. I said, you don't have the means to do this. They found the means, anyhow. And they kept on giving. Why was that? What caused this kind of giving? Let's look at some of the things that Paul says about the Macedonian believers. 2 Corinthians 8. Let's start with the first five verses. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Hang on to that word, grace. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, what a combination Welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. They were collecting an offering for people that were in famine back in Jerusalem. And they did not do as we expected. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. In keeping with God's will. Macedonian's attitudes about giving are the opposite of what we too often see, aren't they? Heard about the junior Sunday school teachers talking with their 10th graders or 10-year-olds ten, rather about giving and and uh, how much they should be willing to give. They said, "How many of you boys in here would give a million dollars to the missionaries?" They said, "Yeah, I will do that." How many of you will give a thousand dollars to the missionaries? Yeah, we'll all do that. All jumping around, all excited about that. How many of you give a hundred dollars to the missionaries? Yes, we'll all do that. How many of you will give one dollar? And I said, yeah, we would do that. Except Johnny. Johnny stayed seated. She noticed he had this terrible look on his face and his hand that kind of over his pocket. She says, "Why won't you give a dollar?" And he says, "Because I have one." <laughs> it's easy to give what you don't have not so easy to give what you do. Perhaps you heard the story about the torn and ragged $1 bill that discovered it was about to be retired from circulation. It's moving along the conveyor belt to being shredded. And it meets up with a $50 bill. It was going to meet the same fate. So they start talking. The 50 begins reminiscing about his life and and there are travels all over the country, in fact, other parts of the world. And he says, life has been good. I've been to Las Vegas, and, and I've been to the finest restaurants in New York, and I've been to political fundraisers, and I just returned from a, a cruise to the Caribbean. He says, Jesus, said the $1 bill, he says, that's, that's pretty good. I, you've had a pretty good in life. Then the $50 bill says, well, where all have you been in your lifetime? My little friend. And he says, well, I've been to the Methodist Church and the Presbyterian Church and the Baptist Church and then to the Catholic Church and the Church of Christ and he's suddenly interrupted by the $50 bill and he says, wait a minute, he says, excuse me, but what's a church? <laughs> well, that one hurt a little bit. Far different than most people approach this whole thing of giving, the Macedonians said, I'm going to give joyfully. I'm going to give because it's fun to give to the Lord. I, I can't be stopped from giving. What compels somebody like that to give spontaneously, to give joyfully, to give sacrificially? They even gave out of extreme poverty. Paul noted that in these first few verses. These are people that are already in desperate times themselves, and they still found a way to be generous with the people in Jerusalem that they thought were probably worse off than them. And he says in the very first verse, we want you to know about the grace that God has given them. Their generosity flowed out of that grace that they had been given by God. So we need to understand that they were grateful for God's grace. Macedonians, like us, have been, have become recipients of God's grace in Christ. God's grace had given them salvation. They who were lost like we were lost had been found and had been saved, had been redeemed only by the blood of Jesus, through no merit of their own, through nothing that they could have ever earned, They were saved. And they had secondly been called into service by God's grace to be part of his kingdom, part of his work, part of of sharing this gospel with the people around them. And this grace that was overflowing in their lives said, that's what I want to put my money toward. That's what I want to put my life toward. Not just my money, but my time and my talents as well. Paul confirms this by something he said later in verse 7. Flip down there, chapter 8, verse 7. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, and knowledge, and complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Kind of interesting. When a person is grateful for the salvation that they have in Christ, even though they don't deserve it, they want to give back to God, don't they? Out of gratitude and appreciation for what they have been given. I was talking to my father-in-law, Ken Mead, over Thanksgiving. We went over and spent Thanksgiving afternoon the next day with them. And so I got talking with him Friday about my message today. I said, I'm really excited about preaching this message about, you know, fun of giving, the joy of giving. And he said, you know, i got to tell you something. He said, I, I was a minister for a long time. He preached for over 50 years. And he said, I started drawing some conclusions after a while. I was a student of people and, and of their personalities and the psychology behind what they did. And he said, I, I just kind of looked at the whole picture there. And I've seen people that continued growing in the Lord, continued serving, and, and just kind of you know, exponentially becoming more than they ever were before as they grow in Christ. And then I've seen other people, he said, for some reason, just kind of stayed level, stayed stagnant. And they never got any further along, never grew very much in Christ. And I wondered why. And he said one key that I noticed I noticed over and over again. It's almost true of everybody I've ever seen. And this is what Ken said. He said, the person who understands gratitude is far different than the person who doesn't. The person who appreciates what Jesus has done for them grows, and the person who doesn't really appreciate never grows, never stretches, never becomes more than they were before. And the big difference is Do they really understand what it cost Jesus to give them new life, to give them salvation, and to to know that he brought them back from death to life once again? And if they get that, then everything else starts happening. But if somehow they never appreciate, they never are grateful, they never look around them long enough to see what God has already done in their lives, they will stay there forever. The Macedonian Christians had learned that grace leads to sacrificial giving, not only of time but all, uh, and money, but also is their very, who they were, what they could do, how they could live for Christ. They were not well-to-do. In fact, they were poor, and yet they gave out of that poverty. You've probably heard about the widow's mite pictured here. Jesus was near the temple treasury and he saw all the people come in and give in all their gifts. And if we were there, we would have only been able to see the gifts. But Jesus, the Son of God, could see into the hearts of everyone who gave, And he saw these people come in and give these elaborate, lavish amounts of money. And they were throwing in many, many coins. And then this widow came up and she put in these two little mites, these two little tiny copper coins, the smallest denomination they had. But he knew that that was all she had. And he turned to his disciples and said that she gave more than anyone else did that day. She did that because she was grateful. People worship and serve God for many reasons. Not all of them are good. Some people give many dollars and yet give for the wrong reasons. Some people go to church every week and go for the wrong reasons. Some people do good deeds, but they do them to be congratulated by someone else, not by God. So that's why Paul wrote in his first letter to the Corinthians that love chapter we call 1 Corinthians 13, the, the love chapter that says, you know, if I do all these other things but I don't have love, then it's meaningless. It's like a, like a sounding gong somewhere or a cymbal, you know, it's just banging around and nothing really comes from that. But if we do it with love, then it becomes meaningful. Second thing I want you to realize about the Macedonians is that they gave to God because of love. Love is the key to our giving. Love is the best motivation for our giving. Do we give because we love God and because we love people, or do we we love God and do we love those whom God loves, both those who are saved and those unsaved, those that are brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are out in the world as rotten as could be? (laughs) Is that love that God had for us, first expressed to us, a love that is now passed on through our hearts? Do we love friend and enemy? Do we love black and white? Do we love rich and poor? Do we love both Gentile and Jew? Is it love that's behind our giving? If so, then we will give joyfully because that's what the Macedonians had learned. Look back at chapter 8, verse 8. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Look down at verse 10. And here's my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also had the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Show yourself. Show your love. Demonstrate it by how you give your money and these other things. Go clear down to verse 24. Therefore, show these men, people coming to collect the offering, the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you so that the churches can see it. Love is the key. Love is the best motivation for giving to God and for serving God. And we get this wrong all the time, don't we? You know, There's one preacher got up in his church and it's time to have the offering and he said, I just want to tell you something before we collect the offering today. I want to give you three reasons to give. The first one is that your gift is tax deductible. The second one is that it cannot be taken with you. And the third one is that the Bible says that the love of, all money, is, it, it, of money is the root of all evil. And so let me remind you of those things And now give. It was all wrong. These are the reasons, the negative reasons, the, the reasons that it would serve you. But the joyful giver gives because it serves someone else, because it glorifies God, because it brings love to other people that don't know God. When we give because we're expecting something in return, we've missed the mark. When we give because we feel obligated to give, we've missed the mark. If we give because we think not to give would be a sin, we do it out of obligation, don't we? We do it out of duty. But when we give because of love, we give joyfully, and we give gratefully and cheerfully. Love is the proper motivation for giving to the Lord. Down in chapter 9 of Second Corinthians, verses 6 through 8, starting with a verse that Prosper preached on a couple Sundays ago. He said, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows ger- generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, And then what does the word of God say? For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, in all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Paul's covering the bases here, isn't he? If you will catch this one thing, that if you will give cheerfully and joyfully because you love God and you love people... God will make sure His grace just abounds in your life. Now, He doesn't promise all of us are going to get rich. Some of the preachers on TV will tell you that's not true. But what He promises is that if we get this right, God will abound His grace in our lives in many ways so that we can continue to be a blessing to other people. And here were people in Macedonia who had nothing really to give, not monetary gifts, very little that they could give monetarily, and yet God used their Joyful giving, their cheerful giving to bless people hundreds and hundreds of miles away in Jerusalem. Love is the motivation for giving. God loves a cheerful giver. John D. Rockefeller was fabulously wealthy in the railroad business, and yet, as an older man, he wasted away physically, and the doctors couldn't really help him. He was really suffering physically. He became a pretty miserable old man. And one day he was talking with one of his railway porters, and he asked how this poor porter was doing. And the porter gave this enthusiastic testimony of his life and how much joy he had. (laughs) And John D. Rockefeller was really taken back. What's wrong here? You know, I'm, I'm the owner of this whole railroad, and this porter who works for me has much more joy than I do. And he expressed finally his envy of this poor porter. All the money in the world couldn't make Rockefeller as happy as that porter. Because the porter knew the secret of happiness. Rockefeller did not. Do you know the secret of of happiness? What is your attitude as you give of your time and your talent and your treasures? Not just a matter of what you can put in the offering plate. It's a matter of how you want to generously and cheerfully give to the Lord from what He has already given you. Out of gratitude and out of love. When a new affection enters somebody's life, it changes their life, doesn't it? Think back, some of you guys, when you were in high school and you got your first car, you're spending all your time cleaning the car and making it look better and adding things to it. I see some of these cars around today still, young guys are still doing the same thing, aren't they? You see that car is all doctored up with all these special things and he's just adding more and more to that to make it as nice as he can possibly make it. And then, he starts seeing some girl he's really interested in. Now the car's kind of forgotten because now he's trying to lavish gifts on her and do things for her and do nice things because there's a new love in his life. Eventually, if he decides she's the one he wants to marry, he spares no expense to get that engagement ring because he wants to impress upon her, I really want to be married to you and I want you to make a promise to me that you'll marry me and we'll have a life together. Golf can do that to people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it did it to my brother. I kind of watched this happening. You know, through the years, he's had the money to do what he wanted to for golf, and he really loves to play golf. So he's constantly buying this equipment, spending $400, $500 on a driver. You know, it's like, this is crazy. And then there's an opportunity to go play in Ireland, where they play the British Open, and in Scotland. And so he makes a trip at thousands of dollars, and he goes other places. Thankfully, he still gives to the Lord, too. But I'm looking at this. This guy really loves golf. And it's changed the way he looks at things because he's willing to spend money because of that love. And our life in Christ is so much more than that, isn't it? What Jesus has done for us is so much more than that. And what Jesus has given to us ought to just create within us gratitude and love that just wants to be expressed some way, wants to get out of us somehow. And it may be the way you live your life. It may be the way you give your money. It may be the way you serve and sacrifice. But it will be expressed. You can't stop it. Do we give because of the grace of God? Do we truly appreciate what He's done for us? Do we give because we love God? I want to do an exercise with you today, and it's not just an exercise. It is a heart thing. If I could have a couple of guys pass these out, please. If you go down that side, Matt. and Michael. I want to make sure that everybody gets one of these little sheets of paper. We'll take a little bit of time to get them all passed out to everybody. Just throw through a few down the row there, if you will, Michael, and we'll get them out to everyone. On this slip of paper, it simply starts with a few words. It says, God, as the offering is taken today. A few minutes, we're going to be having an offering. I don't know whether you're going to give anything or not. I, that's not even my my uh, my concern. Uh, that, that's immature. What I want you to do is to take this slip of paper. Don't sign it. I don't care that anybody else would ever see it, but God will see it. And I want you to write a little note to God. I want you to say to God whatever's on your heart as you give. Whether you're giving today or you give at other times, you know, when I give to you God, this this is what I'm thinking. This is what my motivation is. And perhaps you want to say to God, this is why I'm giving to you today, Lord. Or maybe to say, this is what I am grateful for, Lord, and you list that. Or maybe you just say, God, I want to tell you how much I love you today. And I want you to be very clear, very simple, because it's between you and God. When you get done with that, you just fold it up. And as the offering plate comes by in a few minutes, you put it in there. Do you have enough to get around to everybody? Well, go grab some pieces of paper and tear them up, please. Sorry, I thought we had plenty. Oh, here's a few extras right here. If you don't have one, please lift up your hand. Okay. Okay. Maybe we'll get just about enough to get everybody. Please take a moment. I'm going to give you two or three minutes to write that. Sorry, we just have silence so that you can think, you can pray, you can write a note to God. We have a couple more minutes to finish this because uh, we'll be singing a song together before we have the offering. So if you need time, you can take time during that too is a very, very important thing because what you're doing is you're checking your motive. What is the motivation? And Nobody should be giving out of obligation, out of, you know, we've got to meet the budget or we've got to, you know, somebody's got to step up or you think of service, somebody's got to do this. It should be a joy and that joy comes from gratitude and love. Let's pray together as we conclude our lesson time. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would be on our hearts, that we'd get this right. Because this is a key to our growth. Our key to our, our service is to understand what you've done and to appreciate that. And then to respond in kind to you, to respond to your love with love. And if we can get these things right, then uh, all things are possible. Get our hearts right with you, Lord. And then send us out to a world that so desperately needs you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.